Good morning and welcome to another Oxford Sandia Black Pig Group podcast. Yours truly here again, Andrew O'Shea. Um, we're here this week. The podcast is a replay of the uh, artificial insemination event that we held um, at the end of April um, with a lady called Lucia Gregson, um, who talked to us about the AI process and a lot of the science behind understanding um, the best methods and the best ways to uh, approach it. It's a really interesting uh, evening with lots of good questions. So I really hope that the uh, the replay um, inspires you to to have a go at AI yourself. And before we get to that replay, just a, um, a few news items. So uh, our next event is on Wednesday the 26th of May at 7.30pm. Um, it's about nutrition and f getting the most out of your pigs um, with a lady called Victoria Phillips, um, who's a, um, a well-renowned um, expert in uh, pig nutrition. Um, I was lucky enough to meet her on an AHDB um, seminar a few weeks ago. Um, it was very interesting and I think as a group we could benefit from that. So um, if you look on the Facebook group or go to the website down the right hand side there's the events list and you click on the link to register. You must register your details to get your own unique Zoom link so that you can attend the session. Um, we also released our butchery series at the beginning of this month. The first part is out there. Uh, on breaking down the, uh, the the primals of the pigs. The second episode um, will be out in a week or so um, towards the end of May, uh, and that's looking at making the most of the uh, the shoulder primal and, and what you can do with that. We're also um, bringing a new item to our shop um, later this month, um, some polo shirts, branded polo shirts um, with, the, with our logo on it um, for our members to purchase they will be uh, a price of 19 pounds and 99 pence they come from sizes from small all the way up to 7xl um, most are in stock if they're not if they're not in stock they'll be able to be ordered uh, and delivered to yourself um, just a reminder that those sales through the shop support us um, as a charity and putting money back into the fund so um, we can produce things like the podcast the service that we use for that costs £15 a month. Um, our Zoom facility as well, that costs us money every month. So, you know, without the input from you guys supporting us, becoming supporters of the charity or making a small purchase through the shop, um, etc., um, you know, that is what keeps us going and we're very thankful for that. Right, without further ado, um, we will go to the re replay of the artificial insemination event. We have got Lucia Gregson. Lucia used to work at AHDB Pork, so I don't know if some of you have um, seen her or met her before, but I've certainly learned Lucia from there. Um, Lucia now is, well, she did a dissertation, and most of you would have read it, I put a little post up about Lucia. Very <laughs> young lady. Um, did a dissertation in AI. Um, now works for, I nearly said the organisation, but I forgot, but a large... <laughs> pig organization um, and um, I'm going to hand it over to Lucia what we're going to do if everybody stays on mute please there's going to be a little the little chat button any questions that you've got please put your questions um, as we go along yeah. on the chat and I will um, ask Lucia the questions on your behalf at the end um, if there's any other questions then of course please ask it'll be a 
a, a free for all and Lucia will just go through them. Um, so let's enjoy the day. So over to you Lucia, please. Thank you. Hi everyone. As yeah, as Kim said, a few of you may know me from my days back at AHDB. Um, I left there in 2019 and I became a fields person uh, for the largest pig producing company in the UK of higher welfare pork. Um, so my job role there is a fields person, which means I've uh, got responsibility and advice for farms. Uh, so I look after breeding units. Um, and I have a bit of a focus on uh, farm assurance. And uh, prior to HDB, um, so as Kim said, my background is actually AI. That's how I fell into pigs. Um, and yeah, then uh, that, that was it really, fell into it. It's stayed with me since. Um, so obviously tonight's topic is not just AI, but with a focus on heat detection as well. Um, so if we jump to the next slide, what I'm gonna do is kind of just do a little bit of um, anatomy biology slide very briefly, um, just sort of to help kind of tie things together. Um, so I'm gonna start with boars. Um, so again, most of you will probably know this, so hopefully it's not teaching you to suck eggs or anything like that. So process of uh, sperm production typically it takes around 40 to 45 days or the equivalent of six weeks. Um, so we start in the testes and in the testes are what we call totally cells. Um, these are really for sort of sperm development and mediate hormones. So after a number of divisions, you end up with basically baby sperm known as spermatids. Um, and this is sort of where they gain the shape and this process is what takes the longest, which is around 36 days average. After that, we then move to the epididymis. So it's kind of a bit like a micro environment. And this is for storage, transport and uh, maturation, uh, maturation for the uh, sperm. So at the start of the epididymis or the head, um, sperm basically become more concentrated and the head incorporates the proteins uh, into the membrane that are essential for when they need to fertilize an egg. Um, that's what we call an acrosome. Uh, so then we move to the midsection uh, and this is when sperm tails start to become uh, sort of gain mobility. At this point they still can't move though physically because they're still too concentrated uh, and then after that we go to the tail end um, which is sort of where extra proteins are added for fertilization. This process is around nine to 12 days. Um, and then after that, we go through the accessory glands where we get seminal plasma. Um, some of you might call that boar gel. Um, and then obviously final journey via the vas deferens. And then once you provide stimulation, obviously when he's with the sow or the gilt, Smooth muscle contractions are what push the sperm to be transported down and out the penis. Uh, so I don't know if you want to stop now for any quick biological questions, but if not, we'll hop on to the next slide. So I wanted to do a little bit of a focus on sperm quality because I think it's a term that's thrown around a lot, not very well understood. Um, so. There's a few pictures on here, which I thought would be quite handy to refer to. So sperm quality 
it's not kind of just a good or bad we've got a breakdown into different categories um so this is what we would look at when we were in a stud uh to determine whether semen was viable for use or not and that's morphology volume count motility uh the sort of protein head integrity the acrosome and color and smell Please no, I'm not asking you to go and smell semen. Please don't do that. It's just when it comes in through the stud, you can kind of tell if it's been contaminated that way. Um, so we'll start with morphology, which is the slides that are mostly to your right, which is um, what we look down at, down the microscope. Um, so there's different, there's different things to look out for in morphology. Um, so... If I start with the picture that is on the right where it says C and D, that's what we call droplets or cytoplasmic droplets. Um, these are known as either proximal or distal. Uh, so the little proximal one, which is right at the picture C, that is a proximal droplet. So it's, um, it's very much a case of indicate immature sperm, very common in younger boars, um, or if they've been mated too early or collected from too early. Uh, distal droplets, uh, again, it's where it's obviously tran transported a bit further down the tail through maturation. And typically these are in theory meant to drop off, um, but doesn't always. So the best way I can describe how that impacts fertility is if you imagine trying to swim with a sand um, a sandbag on your back and it makes it quite difficult and can also cause sperm rather than having a forward motility they will spin um, so they will actually swim in a circular motion uh, and then you've got some other obvious ones which are your abnormal heads uh, so this can include uh, detached heads um, just general funny shaped ones um so the picture that we've got on the bottom right corner is a normal head it's that very um almost rectangular look um and what you'll see um at the top of that is ever so slightly in that picture there is a dark uh, patch at the top which almost looks like a little bit of a halo at the top of it that is basically the acrosome. And uh, if you look at the top picture or what they've described as acrosome lifting, um, this is when you can tell if a sperm is alive or dead and whether it will be able to fertilize an egg. If you saw the top picture down the microscope, um, that is an invalid, that is an invalid sperm because ultimately it means the the proteins around the head um it's it's basically come away which means it can't for it just can't fertilize the egg um and then you've obviously got uh, abnormal tails as well so um quite a nice one to see is the bent tails which as you can imagine they can't swim they've got no motion to push themselves forward um and you can have uh, detached tails as well um or as you can see there's a um uh, the middle picture that's got the two circles round that one shows you how it's bent at the top um and, and at the mid piece 
So that's kind of a brief morphological view of things. Um, volume, volume varies between bores anyway, based on quite a few factors like age. Um, but obviously, <clears throat> I think the phrase more the merrier um, is probably quite welcome here. Um, so that that is another thing we, we do we do look for. Um, bores vary how much they can produce. It could be anything from 200. I've had a, I've had a bore at the stud I used to work at that managed to produce a litre and a half. Um, so it does vary. Um, sperm count, pretty obvious. It's how many sperm has been produced. Uh, so it's billions, basically. Billions and billions that are produced. Um, you can tell usually by the uh, the actual colour of the semen how thick it is. If it comes out watery, um, which is quite common in boars that have mated for the first time, um, then you haven't got a lot of uh, sperm in there. And then the thicker it is, it almost comes out like um, quite creamy consistency. Uh, so the next one is motility. Um, arguably one of the most important factors in sperm quality. Um, if it can't swim, it's not going to do its job. Um, so it's, it's highly impacted by production um, and morphology. Um, so if you have a ball that is under things, uh, under stress, it means they produce uh, sperm that basically aren't motile and they will come out dead. Um, and then morphology, as I've said before, the droplets, bent tails really restrict movement. And then as for colour and smell, again, it all links back into one another. But as I said, colour wise, um, it's more relevant for contamination than anything else, because uh, as you can imagine, um, there's cases where semen that I've seen collected before comes out brown or with a reddish tint, um, which immediately means it's been contaminated with blood. Um, in that case, it can't be used because that, again, will impact your motility and your morphology. Um, and then as for smell, just I just thought I'd put it in there as a bit of a fact. Um, I, 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 have I have smelt it um, as part of my job. Um, and you can generally tell then if it's a really bright yellow straw colour um, with a smell of... Um, Year, the, uh, and urine that is obviously when you can tell you've obviously had a contamination there and um, so that was just a little bit of an overview on quality and what we would look for in a stud um, and what would be sent uh, out to you um, and what we class as viable sperm so if we, uh, next slide please <laughs> so kind of want to do a bit of a cause and effect slide um Lucia sorry just one quick I just couldn't get myself off mute quick enough. Um, a quick question was, um, is it easy to test fertility in a bore for, for us small producers? So the small holders, can, is there any test that we can use? I mean, it's a difficult one because it obviously it requires different equipment. The, the basic way of doing it is via, um, it can be done via microscope. Um, so for morphology, you have to use a stain. Um, otherwise, you, you obviously can't tell, um, which is, um, it's, you know, it's, there's a trick to getting the slide right. Um, 
prepping the slide because if um if you do it wrong you can in fact attach the heads which would make it look like the quality is poorer than it is um motility quite an easy one as long as you've got a microscope and a slide um you can tell quite quickly if it's moving or not what you want to make sure of is that you have almost like a bit of a wave motion going on what you don't want is a load of circles because your indication then is that you've got some morphological errors in there and uh, okay. obviously if you imagine pushing down to the um into the cervix and the cell if it can't move properly it's just, it's just not going to do anything um so it can be done with a microscope and slide but i think you've got factors to consider like um you probably need a heating plate so that you keep your slides warm um if you do it without you would be putting your the, the semen would get cold shock um, which would impact your morphology and your motility. Um, so the, okay. the easiest way I can say on the farm is with a microscope, but it's getting the your hands on things like stain if you really want to go into the morphology side. You just want to look at motility. It's pretty easy, microscope and a slide. Um, just make sure it's warm. Okay, thank you. No problem. Um, so, yeah, cause and effect. Um, Quite a few factors that influence production of sperm and its quality, both environmental and genetic. Um, so breed, natural variation in sperm quality, that is what I did my dissertation on. You tend to find, um, I mean, you'll probably notice naturally, um, there might be differences for those of you who've got different rare breeds on site, um, that perhaps some of them have a higher libido than others, or they're more, more interested in the gill or the sow. What you tend to find is that what I'd call a meteor breed, so what typically tends to be a sireline in the commercial herd, um, the quality isn't as good as those that are a dam bred, which is for obviously for your mother and ability. Um, so you will find a little bit of natural variation genetics wise. It's just how it is. Uh, Age, age is quite a big one. I think it's um, it's easy to think with boars that they're ready to mate after five or six months because that's typically when they hit sexual maturation. But um, the problem is, is that technically, by the time you factor in sperm production, um, young boar, really your ideal time to start mating is when they're about eight months old. Um, just because if not, you tend to find what they'll produce is probably a bit more of a watery like semen with um, sort of a few more abnormalities in it. Um, and then uh, again, like as I've said, co concentration and motility um, are likely to be impacted by this testicular development in a younger boar. And then we go to the opposite side of things, which is your old boars. So naturally as boars get older you tend to find production uh, is better so more volume um but there is sort of a peak where you will sort of see this starts to decline um and that's usually roughly when they hit about three and a half years old um it just it's just basically bogs of the parameters that we look at in studs just tend to decline so motility drops um morphology isn't as good just because they're older boars um uh, so anatomy, I get more to do with the testicular development than anything. 
Um, it's not usually it's not usually such a huge huge impact, but uh, size of uh, the testes can impact. Um, and um, just like you, you, if you've had if you've had born uh, if you if if you've obviously looked at piglets and you've seen perhaps maybe they've got a retained testicle, um, that can also again impact your production anatomy wise. I think Kim and I've seen a few questions pop up there. This one question it says do these ages apply in general or do commercial or is it more to do with the commercial rather than the, the, the rare breed? It's it's it will apply to all. Okay. Um it will apply to all. Um as you can imagine it's it's just sort of a bit of just really nature to be honest um so yeah it will apply to um your rare breeds you might i mean typically you'll probably be able to get more out of your rare breeds than we would on a commercial herd because we don't um we don't really keep them past three and a half years for that for that reason if they aren't uh, able to effectively do the job um and at this point i think you've got to think about libido as well for it and um Probably one to consider on size as well is actually the general size of the boar um, and in regards to your sows that you're serving, uh, that well, that he'd be serving. Um, it's very easy for natural matings um, to go wrong if the sizing isn't right. So if you imagine three and a half years old, these boars are probably going to be what? about? I'd imagine you're probably about 300, kilo, about 300 kilograms. Um, so you've got to factor in that uh, as well for your mating. Um, and then uh, if I hop on to uh, the next one, okay. which is sort of disease and general illness. Yeah. Um, um, so, oh, sorry, just, there are a few questions. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <Lucia. laughs> sorry. Just one question before you, before we go on to the next one, it was just the amount um you work a bore impact on their longevity so i was actually going to jump onto that one that is on my <laughs> list of, it's coming up <laughs> it's coming up <laughs> um so oh sorry if i just hop back a slide um so yeah um disease and general illness on a bore is quite a big one um you'll know naturally if they're feeling a bit rough they've potentially got um that then probably gonna have a bit of a temperature temperature is a nightmare for boars and semen production it is the one thing that has probably one of the biggest impacts um and that's via uh, um environment or via illness um basically when the temperature increases um it's got the potential to cause changes like uh, so ph changes or osmosis changes um, and that in turn basically just throws the quality of the sperm out the window. Um, naturally, the testes are, they're outside the body, obviously, and they are naturally a couple of degrees cooler than the boar's body temperature. So when they become overheated, they get heat stressed and that just directly impacts onto, um, onto sperm production, which is why when you're arranging uh, for those of you who are um, uh, boar sharing, consider the fact that 
if your ball has been a little bit ill, um, it can take it can take up to six to eight weeks for that to re- for the sperm to then rejuvenate itself. So if he's been ill and he's due to go away the next week, the chances are he may still produce good semen. I'm not saying he won't, but there is a chance that it could be impacted by that. So consider that when you are arranging this. Um, and also consider, you vac- uh, for those of you who vaccinate a little bit, a little bit like with us, um, don't know how many of you have had the COVID jab. I'm not one of the lucky ones yet, but or your flu jab, you can tend to have a bit of an AKR, feel a bit rough. Um, it's not the same. It's, it's the same with boars. You know, sometimes it can make them feel a little bit bleh afterwards. But again, if that temperature increase is caused um, sort of by this reaction to a vaccine, we then end up back again at poor semen production. So kind of, uh, again, linking back in temperature and season, pretty self-explanatory, heat stress, um, bad sperm production. Um, the cold doesn't really have as much of an impact. Um, the time you may see it is when we've got really, really low temperatures. I mean, like minus 10 and they have to increase the feed intake. Um, to keep body temperature up, which means occasionally they might produce too much um, heat by the body and affect it that way, but it's very, very rare. Uh, so just to answer, so going on and answering the overworking question, yes, you can. You can impact it by overworking them. So in, in a stud, we wouldn't collect the bore more, uh, more than three times over a two-week period. This is just basically down to the fact you have got to give him time to rejuvenate. Um, And again, you've got to factor in this six week cycle. Um, So if you imagine he is with, uh, I mean, a few girls, it's not too, you know, it's not too heavy. Um, But after a while, if he's constantly used week after week after week, he's going to have a low sperm count because he just hasn't got the time to rejuvenate for what he needs to do. So yeah, you can actually um, affect sperm production by doing that. The same can actually be said for underworking him though. So there's, a, there's occasions where if they haven't been worked as they need to, um, so for instance, we used to collect a ball once a week uh, or once every two weeks, irregardless of if we would use that semen or not, because if not, you tend to find there's a little bit of back, almost a bit of a, a backlog um so you kind of end up with over concentrated sperm um and that tends to that can impact a little bit on your uh, morphology and motility uh just uh, again social as well sometimes not having contact with other males and females there's it, just, it reduces that libido and stimulation and it's actually been linked to lower sperm volume as well uh nutrition i'm not going to jump too much into this um there's different different diets um, impact sperm quality, um, but uh, I think the more more point of this was is when you've got overfit boars. Um, if you think he is a bit of a chubby fella, um, he's going to have a poorer libido, um, and he's just not going to be interested in doing what he needs to do. Um, so that's uh, sort of my little cause and effect slide and just consider things like this when you are ball sharing or for those of you um, that want to look into AI. Um, but yeah, mainly for those who are ball sharing, do factor this in.
So Lucia, when when does a boar stop producing sperm? Does it stop producing sperm? Not that I'm aware of. I think it will continue and continue because they don't. Um, I think it can eventually because each individual cell in the testes can produce a certain amount. Um, so I think eventually, as those cells, uh, as the boar gets older, cells die off. But I don't think it's. I don't think they will ever stop altogether. I think it'll be reduced um, as we've seen in age, but I don't think it'll ever purely stop. Okay. Uh, if I could have the next slide, please. So that was my little ball one. Uh, so I'm gonna jump on to the sows and gilts now. So, Easter cycle. Um, I think there's a trap to fall into here because we assume it's every 21 days. Don't fall into that. There is variation, and you will typically see this a lot in your gilts, that actually it can last between 19 and 23 days. Um, so during this process, we've got two phases, which are follicular and luteal, and that can be broken down further into four categories. So you've got proestrus, estrus, metaestrus, and diestrus. So in this follicular phase, basically what happens, the, um, the egg mature, it's basically the egg sort of maturing phase. Uh, so uh, you've got your hormones like estrogen and uh, the follicle stimulating hormone that are released by the body to prepare for the estrus cycle. So Basically, after this, the oocyte, or basically the start of the egg, um, this is where it will reach maturity. Um, so once these hormone levels have peaked, um, the, some of the, the, the eggs are in the follicles, these will rupture. And this is when this period of ovulation occurs. And this typically lasts for 24 to 48 hours and is the peak time of when you want to inseminate. Now, again, it doesn't mean to say it will be that window is it varies um for some it could be 30 hours for some it could even last up to 60. um again with guilt you tend to find that this period is shorter in comparison to sows um so that is again something to keep an eye on um so after after this follicle has ruptured and ovulation occurs we go into the luteal phase so the hormones at this point have now declined um, and you'll find your cell won't actually be receptive to um, the bore or for those of you who are inseminating to any of your stimulation. So the follicles uh, sort of at this point will also start to develop um, into what we call a corpus luteum. And um, this is at this point where determination of pregnancy occurs. So if a viable sperm has actually managed to make its way down there, um, we carry on through to pregnancy. Uh, so if a viable egg isn't actually detected and it's not been successful, um, hormone called prostaglandin is released, which uh, this breaks down this corpus luteum. And then that's when we kick back in and our cycle jumps back to proestrus and we start the whole cycle again. So I didn't want to focus too much on the biology, but I just thought it was probably handy to give a bit of a brief overview. And so if we hop onto our next slide. Lucia. Hello. 
one. Someone missed a bit about the boar. It says, how often should a boar be serving a sow for optimum performance from the boar? What was it that you said? So I would say I I wouldn't do it more than three times or uh, three times every two weeks was what we used to go by at the stud. Okay. Um, which um, you know he'll he'll do his he will do his job he, if he senses that she's in heat and she'll stand he will do his job. Um, what you don't want is for him to be sort of back to back on weeks. Um, give the you know just to give him a little bit of a rest so that, like, say, he gets that rejuvenation. Thank you. No problem. So next we've got environmental and sort of genetic factors again, cause and effect. Very similar to what you will find in the boar, except this time I am going to put more of an emphasis on nutrition. So. Uh, for those of you who have already had uh, the experience with um, litters, uh, you'll be aware that during lactation, she loses a little bit of condition because she's milking so hard. Um, it's really important throughout lactation and especially those first seven weeks after, um, after she's been weaned that you focus on the diet because... Um, during this period, um, that is obviously, again, when she gets ready for ovulation and egg production. And nutrition does have a, a big impact on that. Um, so it's looking at your feeding regimes, making sure, again, that she isn't overfit or she isn't uh, underfit. Um, so, again, look at your condition scoring. Um, if she's looking quite skinny, make sure, you know, give her a little bit extra. If she's looking a bit too big, take it down a little bit. Um, and obviously lactation is obvious because that is the um, that is a really hard, hard period for it. Um, but again, all impacts onto this uh, egg production. Um, so obviously just briefly covered body condition there as well. Um, again, same thing with disease and illness, you, you know, similar things. Um, it's going to impact. So there's a few by uh, it's a few. Uh, viruses out there that are particularly uh, bad for reproduction. Um, so quite a few of you will have heard about a, a blue ear or what we call PERS. Um, that is, uh, that can affect reproduction um, as can things like parvovirus and leptovirus. Um, uh, leptospirosis, sorry. Um, these all have the ability to affect issues, uh, can cause mummified fetuses. So again, they never develop properly. Um, so keep um, keeping an ear out for um, when you're again sharing that um, you might potentially be going into a very pig dense area. Um, and as PERS is airborne, um, it doesn't take a lot to um, to pass really um, and birds and things like that can also carry it so just a little consideration if she's looking a little bit off um, just you know have some thought of oh actually could it be this so, um, sorry so on, on that note Lucia is is yes. there a recommended vaccine strategy yeah, so I mean, it, basically, the PERS, um, the PERS vaccine isn't ne doesn't necessarily 
have to be used because it is, um, I believe it's a live vaccine. So um, on our commercial units and probably quite widely used along a lot of others, um, if they have to vaccinate for that, um, they do it every three months in what we call a blitz. Um, things like parvovirus, leptospirosis, they are covered quite a lot um, in your standard vaccines. So there's things like uh, PCV2 mHio, there's the EPL vaccine. Uh, there's a lot out there. Um, and this typically works on a case of she's vaccinated three, three and six weeks before farin. Um, just to make sure she's safe. Okay, thank you. Um, so stress, again, a very, you, you'd be surprised how much this impacts, um, especially early on during ovulation, um, if she's stressed and whether she would um, uh, basically return um, and things like basic husbandry and handling are really big stressors. So um, moving her via trailer can be stressful. Um, even just moving her paddocks can, can be quite a stressful process. So just on that, just, you know, as I'm sure you all do anyway, just take your time with them. Um, I've seen on the Oxford Sandy and Black group, um, I know especially Georgina likes to go for a stroll. Um, just let them do what they need to do and bring them back in their own time. Just keep everything calm in this process. And that does include uh, AI as well. Um, and obviously with the bore as well, um, it's probably worth sometimes separating them uh, until probably you suspect about probably about 24 hours before she's due to go into this ovulation period just so then she's not been badgered by him and um occasionally you can see it in other sows where they will um pester and badger just sometimes separate her off if you notice she's been a bit uh, nudged around by uh, some of the other girlies that you might have um if they're not already in separate paddocks and again um age uh, i mean those of you who've got guilt will know they are um, they are a bit of a pain. Um, so uh, yeah, the the again it's, it's really similar to boars. They hit five to six months maturity, but still not the right time to mate them. You'll find most places don't actually um, start AI in guilts until they've kind of had that first ovulation cycle, um, and then obviously. Um, Older sows, bog standard, there's uh, so many eggs for reproduction. Uh, so I don't know if anyone's got any quick questions on that before we go to the next slide. Nope, can't see any questions that have come up. Uh, next slide, please. Oh, oh we're there. I was going to say I was waiting for something to go wrong with the technology, but <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, heat detection. Pretty much, it's it's it is a skill. It really is a skill, um, and it is all about watching and your attention to detail. Um, excuse me, my dog's just entered the room, so if you hear panting, that is my dog Bowser. Um, it is very much a case of having your calendar 
and making notes of what you see and just watching watching your girlies. Um, typical signs, probably what you are, I'd imagine you probably already know anyway. You'll find that the vulva tends to get a little bit swollen and quite red, pink coloured. Um, the sow or gilt herself, quite agitated, quite restless. Um, so she may very well uh, start trying to mount other sows, um, which is what is that that is um, the red swollen vulva and the agitation. That is actually a um, a sign of sort of pre-estrus. So this is sort of 24 hours before she's due to ovulate that you'll find these signs. Um, and also standing reflex. If you put pressure on her back, she won't stand. She's she's not ready to be served. Um, when we jump into this ovulation period, we end up with the exact opposite on reflex where she will stand stock still once the pressure uh, pressure is applied to the back or if the boar tries to mount. Um, so at this period as well, you'll tend to find the vulva's a little less swollen. Um, her ears are pricked up, um, a lot more receptive to the boar. You might find she has a bit of a, a sort of soft, low-pitched grunt. Um, so it's just about breaking those signs down and thinking, actually, right, okay, she's she's not quite ready, but I know tomorrow I'm probably going to need to serve, um, which is why I say have a calendar, mark when you're seeing these signs, and then that way, as you go on over time, you will find it's a little bit easier to track her cycle, which when coming to AI, you're going to have, um, you're going to get to her at the right time. Um, and because it is sh such a short window, um, it obviously makes it even all the more important. Um, so that, that's really all I can say is record your findings, just record everything. doesn't matter how silly it might seem to you and you think, oh, she just seems a little bit more not a self than usual, make note because it is all relevant. Um, and so stimulation as well. Um, this is where bores do come in handy. Um, so for those who want to AI, you don't want the bore in the pen with her because he's likely to serve her before you do. Um, but having him next to her in a different pen, you'll find she, you know, she's stimulated by smell, just by chatting. Um, and that, that makes the difference and actually can make it a heck of a lot easier for heat detection as well. Uh, next slide, please. Um, going off feed, was, was that another <laughs> sign of a sow going off? Um, yeah, you can't, yes, it is, it is another sign. She might just not be as, as interested in the food. Okay, and the ball pheromone sprays that, that you can readily purchase, yeah. are they good? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, nothing is ever going to replicate the true scent of a boar. Um, so uh, there's uh, one particular spray called Boar Mate that's available. Um, and there, there will be, I will say now, there's other ones out there. Um, it's just, ultimately, like I say, it's a pheromone. Um, I don't know how many of you have used them, but the idea is that um, you spray, you you spray the can about sort of 30 centimetres away from a nose just so she can get that um, intake of smell. Um, 
I suppose if you were, if you were planning to serve her in a particular pen or a stable, um, is just maybe add a little bit just to the walls or something, just so she's not too much because you don't want to overpower her, but just something that helps gain her interest. And what age would you say a sow becomes unproductive? It depends on how you look at it. So I have to have two different heads on this because I have a commercial head and then I have to think about you guys as rare breeds. So, I mean, it's really, really difficult um, because she'll keep going for as long as you want. Eventually, you'll just find that the litters eventually just do decrease in size, which is when you can tell she's starting to become more unproductive. So it's difficult to give a bog standard age because I know um, I've known some of the commercial herds who've kept back sows that are up to what we call parity 12. So they've had 12 litters. Um, might not be massive litters, but um, she's still going. So she can go on for years, but I think you've just got to look at the, um, the size of your litters. Um, and also is she, um, things like, is she returning a lot? So is she not getting pregnant, which is really the, the easiest way to put it. Okay. I think, we, I think Gwyn's just asked a question there as well. Oh yes, he said, is it easier to heat detect if the sow hasn't had boar contact for a period before you heat detect? Yeah, so having them, this is where it's quite good to have them separated because um, we don't put the, we don't allow boar contact uh, for at least 24 hours prior to ovulation because she's then really overly stimulated and you've missed that chance to do your heat detection. So I would, a few days beforehand, uh, when she's weaned, and you've weaned, uh, so, well, speaking from if you've had a girl that's had a litter, when you wean them off, uh, for those of you who do have boars on site and keep them in the same pens, what I would do is have um, a, a gap in between, um, just to, I mean, obviously don't restrict her viewing him. That is, that's probably not quite, a, it's not a very clever idea. It's probably quite stressful, but having like a little bit of an air gap is something that can help as well. Uh, so the onto the fun stuff uh, for serving. Um, so I've managed to find a wonderful picture as well, which is why it's made its way onto my presentation. Um, the stimulation is the one thing that I, I think is really underrated um, and probably sometimes a little bit forgotten about. Um, people don't always, it's not a case of just shove the catheter into your girlie and she's away. Um, stimulation is pretty much everything and it just makes your process so much easier. Um, so those of you that have seen the actual process of a natural mating, you notice he will nudge her sides um, and a flank um, and before before he does anything. This is effectively foreplay for pigs. Um, and that's something you need to replicate before. Um, Marvin Gaye does help, yes, um, that does help. Um, I'm not sure, maybe that's a dissertation to do, um, what music helps the best. Um, but you need to replicate this before you AI a pig because, um, again, 
she's not really going to stand there if you just I mean she might if she's really in heat she will just stand with her hand on the back but I think it's quite good to get her really rare sort of ready and rare in just by gently um sort of stroking her sides um and just imitating what the ball would do um so obviously for those of you who mentioned ball mate there I've just put it in this slide a handy thing to have um and the chatting. So again, this is really difficult to replicate. I, I don't know how many of you have ever tried to chat like a boar. Um, I don't think it's possible. Um, so this is where what we call a teaser boar is quite useful. Um, so what you would do in the event of serving is you would have your boar behind a gate, um, but he would still be able to see and chat to your sow. Um, but obviously, He's not going to serve her. Um, for just what it says on the tin, he is a teaser ball, but she's got stimulation, which means she's uh, she's more likely to stand better for you when you serve. And her actual intake of the semen, you will be surprised how quick they can actually take um, a bottle from serving. It's, it's quite impressive. Um, so uh, next slide, please. Lucia, would you also say with regards to size of the ball, we've also got to... <laughs> cautious of um how big the boar is compared to the sow. Yeah, absolutely um if you if you have a 300 kilo boar on a little 150 kilogram girl um that's no match you know you are going to end up with broken backs broken legs um it's seen on commercial herds very rare but um it does happen sometimes where um if the boar's just not sized right, um, it can cause injury. And it's really, you know, if you imagine, that's a lot of weight to be having on you. So really do take time into, into matching your sizes. Um, because if not, you could end up, ultimately, if it isn't done right, the chances are you may have to have your uh, pig put down. And it's not just the sows. Again, it can be for the boars if he's too little. Um, I've known boars to break their legs. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, sizing is really, really important. Um, so down to insemination, the good stuff. Um, I've kind of broken this down into a couple of sections. Um, so I'll start with hygiene. Never underestimate the power of this. Um, so what I would say is, uh, for those of you who are interested in doing this, um, blue roll, it's a wonderful thing. When she's uh, when she stood there chatting to the boar and she and you're ready to serve her, just get some blue roll and just wipe off the vulva because ultimately what you don't want to be doing is having a clean catheter going in with a load of dirt into it because you're putting that directly into the cervix and you're going to increase chances of infection. Uh, wear gloves um, again. It's up to you. Um, I know a lot of people that don't. I don't when I've served. Um, that is but it's just an extra precaution um and uh don't contaminate your catheters so for those of you who've done it you'll know that the packaging that it comes in it's just a thin strip of plastic best way to do it is to just pop the sponge end of the catheter out of the package without touching it it will just break it will just break through the plastic it's not a problem um, and then that way you're not touching it and then inserting any anything into, again, the cervix and higher in your risk of infection. 
Um, lubrication. There's no such thing as enough lubricant. Um, if you know, it's 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 unpleasant putting a dry catheter into a girly. It's it's not nice. Um, you want this. You want a smooth sort of transition into uh, the vulva. So, um, what I would say is keep an eye that it is semen friendly. Um, I've seen somewhere there's like uh, I think it's like liquid paraffin that's on it. Probably not the best mm -hmm. of all of them, but I think you can get general. Um, I think it's like KY jelly ones that are uh, really good, um, and they're fine to pop in. Um, again, just to help ease your catheter in, and it's just a whole lot smoother process for you and yourself. Um, stimulation we've already covered. Um, so you've got to a point where your girl's standing, you've got her, she stood still, you've applied pressure to her back, and it's, you've got to put the catheter in. So uh, for those of you who've never actually done insemination before, it's not a daunting, don't panic. Um, it's surprisingly, it's a surprisingly easy process. So what I say is insert your catheter at a 45 degree angle, but you want this upwards. The reason I say this is because if you angle it wrong, you will in fact puncture her bladder. If you do this, you will soon know because there will be a stream of urine coming out the other end of the catheter. Um, so make sure you are going in at a very, just a small 45 degree angle upwards. As you do that, you'll soon feel if, you, if you've gone in the wrong place and you'll soon know. Insert slowly, you know, it's, it's don't jam it in. Um, that's not gonna do anyone any good. Um, slow and steady wins the race. Um, push the catheter as far in as it will go, but do not force it because if not, you've got other, it, you've got potentials to puncture uh, cervix and things like that. This is, it, this will vary between your sows. I can tell you this now, not just, uh, uh, not just in breed, but I mean between individual for your OSBs. Um, you will find the, some girls will take up to half the catheter, quite she might have a small, um, uh, a small canal. And then there'll be other girls and you think, my God, this catheter is not gonna stop. Um, so it varies. So don't panic if you've got one girly that's taken about three quarters and the other that's done half. It's totally natural. Um, the way you can tell, I find, is when you're in properly is just by the tip of the catheter, which you can see in that picture there. I give it a little twist. Um, so I twist it. I twist it clockwise. What should happen is when you're in the right spot, you'll find there's um, sort of pushback from it. So it will instinctively want to do that. That's because you're in the right spot. She's grabbed hold of it, which is what you want. You are in, you've, you've got her, it's like a plug. She's in the right spot. Um, so we've got the catheter in, then comes the semen. Please do not squeeze the bag. The likelihood is, is that if you do it, it's either going to pop out and you're going to end up covered in it. Um, and it's just, you know, this is her process. You know, she she will take the semen in at her own time and you will find that will vary. So the more stimulated and sort of in heat she is, the quicker she will take it. Um, but again, the guilt in particular, 
guilt are a nightmare to serve. I find they are a pain in the backside. Um, it's the first time, um, do, you know, first time doing it, so it's very strange. Um, and I would imagine for those of you who are uh, boar sharing as well and doing natural, uh, natural matings, that sometimes she's probably a little bit funny with the boar as if to say, what are you doing? Um, it's all about, it's, it's, it's not a rush process. The, um, never rush it. Um, otherwise, you aren't going to have the desired results. Um, and a pretty obvious end to it all. Once she's taken in the semen, gently remove the catheter. Um, you will find actually when she is finished and she kind of almost loses, I call it an airlock, it isn't, but she, this where they've got this plug effect, she'll spit it out anyway, so she'll probably it'll probably just fall out on her own. Um, but once that semen is um, down the catheter tube, pull out um, and then just dispose of along with the bottle. Um, just um, a note on sort of disposal. Um, Semen, when it's uh, delivered from a stud, comes with extender. And in this extender is antibiotics. So do consider that when you are disposing uh, of waste. Um, I don't know if anyone's got any quick questions. I know uh, one that was highlighted at the start by Andrew, and I was quite glad he did, was what on earth is the green thing that is around the girly on the picture? Um, that is what we call a bungee. Um, so this uh, basically imitates the pressure that's on the back and having the bore on the sides as well. Um, that basically kind of means you've got a bit more freedom to have both hands doing the job that they need to without having to sort of have one on one on a back and then put your catheter in, then the semen, and then having to put your hand back on. It just frees you up a little bit. Um, another way to do it, if you aren't looking to buy that sort of product um, is actually just getting a bungee cord um, and just tying it around her um, just to keep that pressure on her. Um, so yeah. With regards to, with regards to catheters, um, is there a preference, Lucia, the sponge one or the, I know so, the twisted one? So it depends on preference. Um, I personally prefer the sponge ones. Um, I just find they're just a bit softer and a bit easier, especially on your gilt when um, I just find it's a little bit easier to work with. Um, so I do tend to work with the sponge catheters. Um, nothing against the curly ones. That is fine. You can still use them. They do the same job. Um, what I would avoid, um, because I can tell you on the, on the company I work for, we don't use them, is what we call a deep insemination catheter. Now this bypasses... Uh, the uh, bypasses the uterus straight into the cervix and um it's it's basically almost double the length of a normal catheter um and uh once you've inserted it there is a sec almost like a second tube that you push inside and that bypasses i hate them because if you aren't trained in it and you don't know how to use them you can cause some damage um so i would just stick with the bog standard sponge or the or the twisted twisted end ones doesn't matter which i it, it depends on preference there are people that prefer the twist ones um but yeah i would i don't think you can go wrong with a golden cat catheter yeah um i think and how often should and how often should we apply the semen 
once in the morning, once in the afternoon, or wait 24 so hours? It depends. Again, this is depending on your timing um, and about your observations of it. Gilts, I would say, you because you naturally will have a smaller window, is if you can, try it once in the morning and try it again in the afternoon. Um, for sows uh, who have had litter and things like that, um, you'll find just generally the period of the ovulation is just a little bit longer. Um, so you could probably get away with doing once one once in the morning and then the next morning go again. So you are hitting her twice in that 24-hour period. Um, so typically on the commercial herd, we serve them twice minimum, um, but we do try three times if they will stand, just to ensure they are um, they are basically in pig. Um, and yeah, it's um, it's not a daunting process. So for those of you who haven't done it and you think oh, I don't know. I promise you it's not it's just about just having the confidence and reading 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 signals um and just just being slow and steady uh, so if we jump on to the next slide um so this is kind of my uh little final slide really um just a few considerations for uh, AI and the equipment that you'll need. Um, so big obvious are the top three, catheters, lubricant, and you see them. Um, again, where I've said that your recording and timing is relevant, especially important for when you've got semen on order. Um, for those of you who are interested in doing multiple serves, um, you are gonna have to consider your shelf life of your products, um, which is normally printed on the bottle, but your storage more than anything. So you would be surprised how sensitive semen is. Um, basically, it when it goes through a stud, um, it's cooled down to 17 degrees. And this is what, in the extender, it lies dormant. Once, uh, once you've basically inseminated the sow, her body naturally heats that up and it wakes itself up again um so having a fridge um at 17 degrees is really important for those of you who are even if you've uh, even if you are only ordering two bottles but you're doing one one day and one the next and even those of you who are doing it in the same day um while it's fine to have it in that polystyrene box and it does fine for postage um especially now we're getting into summer, um, I, I would be very aware that you do need to sort of have a storage of about 17 degrees, whether that's in a fridge or um, you can get what we call an AI cool box. Um, so that isn't an option, but do consider your storage. And if you have gone 24 hours and you've gone the next day and you've left it, give the bottle just a little bit of a shake Please don't absolutely rag it to death. Um, otherwise, you will literally kill off the semen that's in there. It's just a gentle shake, um, just because the cells uh, will lie dormant at the bottom. Um, so it just sort of just mixes the solution back up again. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, the, the there are other videos and other sort of information that you can find sort of via AHDB. Um, there's a lot of videos on YouTube. Just make sure you use a um, 
I try and find probably more of a UK video if you can. Um, and um, yeah, for those of you interested, uh, semen is ordered from Deer Park. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much me on my uh, slides really for AI. Um, hopefully it was interesting. It was, I think I made it quite quick, it's an hour, but hopefully if you guys have got any questions or um, even if you want questions answering about how it's produced uh, in stud or about the extender, um, yeah, I'll try and answer as many as I can. Can the storage be too cold, Lucia? It can, and it can also be, um, what we say is 17 degrees, um, plus or minus two degrees either way. Um, what you don't want is in excess of 19 degrees, and what you don't want is, um, what you don't want is too cold. If it goes below 15, you can do something called cold shock to the semen. Uh, so if that happens, you end up with um, bent tails and that, again, affects your uh, motility. So if you have a delivery, make sure you're in, because if it's on a warm day or if it's um, on a cold day, which I have experience with, it went wrong on my dissertation and someone left my AI out. And um, even though it was in its polystyrene box, uh, they left it out overnight. It hit minus two, minus three, and I got to it the next morning and it was kaput. So, yeah, just make sure for your deliveries that you're there to get them and that you can kind of get them stored and sorted straight away. Has anybody else got any more questions for Lucia, please? In fact, I think you can just come off mute and, and ask <laughs> directly if you wish. Just shout them at me. <laughs> I have one if that's all right. Sorry to be a pain. Um, no, it's okay. We AI our cattle with semen that's quite old, basically, because they're so mm -hmm. rare. Um, yeah. And the success rate of that is horrific. Yeah. Um, what's the success rate? like when you ai a pig basically we've never actually done ai we always serve with a boar yeah uh so your ai success rate providing you do the process right and you put your timings right can be very high i mean commercial herds conception rate varies from 18 95 80 to 95 percent oh okay awesome yeah very really much. really really high success rate um because you're not you've you've basically almost got control straight away because you know the semen that you're getting is viable straight away brilliant thanks very much no problem Lucia, i seem to remember i think it was i don't know five six years ago there was a, <laughs> i was at um i think it was an ahdb pork um meeting and they somebody from spain came in and started talking about how it was very difficult to serve Guilt, as you say, yep. a nightmare. <laughs> it was there's, there was a new catheter that came out, and I think that's the one that you've just mentioned. Um, yeah. So there, there is a couple of. I'm just going to put my light on. Sorry. There yeah. is. There is a couple of catheters that are available. Um, so specifically, there is one that is what we call um, a guilt catheter. I think it's MS shippers that do this, but I can't remember off the top of my head if it is them. The gilt catheters are just ever so slightly smaller. So um, it just means like the tip at the end, um, for those of you who've used the golden cap ones, 
very similar in stature to that. Um, all it is is just it's ever so slightly smaller, and it's um, I think it's a very light blue. Hmm. Would you say it's better to use natural service on a gilt then than it is to AI because they're so difficult? <sighs> that depends because if she's not had any experience of it whatsoever, it's almost more difficult because the older she is, the bigger she is. Um, so just sort of getting them used to it straight away is quite a good thing because they know the process then. Um, I think it is just a case of it is all about your recording and your timing um, and just marking down like I say we've seen this on this day so I know actually in about a day or even less than she's going to be ovulating so say she um, this is where sort of uh, the pressure on the back comes in is that um, if she's standing you know she's still in full heat eventually obviously 24 48 hours this will drop off so after that sort of um second serve if you are choosing to do that um you, if you keep going back and putting sort of this pressure on her back she's not standing you know straight away she's out of heat and that's when you can then mark right okay i've got the rest of i've got so many days left so in theory she should be back on again in so many days time so it's all about it is all about observing um is a it's a big part of things any questions anybody i've had a couple of dms just saying um thank you very much lucia very interesting thank you very much um, oh good i'm glad you've all hopefully it's been interesting for you all and um i wanted to make sure i could cover those of you who uh, do for share and perhaps maybe do want to continue that as well but again still factors that consider everything but hopefully it's been informative for you all and it's been an, uh, an enjoyable very much so. so I mean I, I have a question working in technology and is <laughs> you can get an app for pretty much to do anything these days mm -hmm. you know are you aware of there are any good apps for you know you, you said about making notes about your pigs when they're in you know yeah and stuff like that is there anything out there that, that does that kind of thing for you that you know um, to give you the reminder on your phone to say you know yeah i mean I'm not, to, or am i selling a selling a i'm not really money off <laughs> you may have you may should paint, should paint the idea yeah. um i'm not aware of anything per se um i know um I know of something called uh, Pig Vision, which is um, uh, presumably a few of you might have heard of a, uh, something called Agrisoft. Um, Pig Vision is something that comes off the back of this, which uh, you record your details of your sow on, um, but that doesn't really tell you when she's next in, in heat. Um, I'm not aware of anything out there, but if there is, uh, please let me know. I would be intrigued. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't think off the top of my head that I've heard anything like that. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a million pound idea because there's probably not, not that many people interested in it. But I mean, I, you know, I, I, I think it's probably got some... I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, I think it's it's almost like, like you say, just putting a reminder in your calendar every month sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think it depends the way, the way you, you work. So, I mean, I have, I have someone 
um, calls me quite regularly with questions about um, sort of livestock and, and, you know, what's the right thing to do here, there, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. Um, and they don't, they say, well, I've, I wrote it on the calendar or I wrote it in a notebook or I've kept it on my phone, but I can't find yeah. the notebook on my phone. I can't find it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, yeah, it's quite frustrating. It's really... I mean, I'm quite anal about yeah. <laughs> keeping yeah. notes. Yeah, I think it's all I can say is, um, oh, someone's just said uh, Plan a Pig is an app on Apple. Um, there might be a few things out there similar to, to be able to track a cycle. Um, the only reason I say um, don't always rely on it being the same every month is because, um, like I say, typically the average is 21 days, but you might find one's going to be 19 and she might be 23. So don't rely on it being that same spot every month. I would give yourselves a couple of days beforehand from the last time, um, uh, sort of when you've worked out when she's next due to be ovulating. Right. Give yourselves a couple of days beforehand so that you can actually go and just watch, just watch her, just watch what she does. Does she uh, just, like I say, the typical sort of... Um, uh, signs that you'll see um rather than just relying on right bang i'm going to be on she's going to be on on this day um that's my only thing is use it with caution mm. thank you lucia well, can i ask lucia i'm sorry i i missed the beginning of of your presentation and i don't know if you mentioned it um what what bore lines are at stud um at deer park at the moment yeah uh, so I will just bring that up. Um, Kim, I, Andrew, I don't know if you'll know any yeah. different from me. It's only the yeah. only the only bloodline that's being used at the moment. There was the um, there was the Jack bloodline at the moment, Tess. But I think yeah. they've changed it and they're going to bring back the Saint Piers Alexander bloodline. Oh, great! I've got a Jack. I don't need to know any more Jacks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think that 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 one's coming through at the moment. Okay, that's good. It's useful. Thank you. Quick question, Lucia. We've been AIing for a couple of years now, and we've yep. had a hundred percent success rate uh, with our two sows. Yeah. And since September, everything has just fallen off a cliff. We can't. Okay. They won't. Uh, the sows are what four years old each now. Yeah. The teaser board is now eight. Yeah. Suddenly stop. What would cause that so it could be a case of um with your boar being quite old is that um the lack of the interest just isn't there um mm -hmm. and they're just more intrigued in sleeping um oh which, that's definitely so yeah <laughs> so that is quite um it's it's something quite a lot of commercial herds fall down at sometimes is when you've got a boar that's he's lazy but he stinks, so he's fine on the smell front, but he's not chatting. And you almost find that that chatting um, almost works better than the smell in some way because there's that actual interaction. Um, so whether you've got the chance to be able to bring, I don't know if you've got any of the boars that maybe you can pull out from a litter um, oh, or a future litter that you can raise. So keep back a boar maybe that can replace him, not necessarily for breeding, but just keep him back as a teaser just okay. to see if that makes any difference. Um, 
Uh, and just double check that uh, again, if, if they've since September decided that, right, I'm not going to stand, just double check you haven't got any underlying health issues there as well. Um, yeah, we checked them for worms. Uh, they're mm -hmm. eating normally. Nothing apparent has changed with okay. the two cows. They're good condition. Yeah. They're not too fat. They're not too yeah. thin. Um, I do the chatting. I do the grunting. The grunting, yeah. yeah but uh, obviously not quite good. Your video really turned into <laughs> <laughs> good enough to produce results. But, um, yeah. It's yeah, all I can say is with, with the way it has yeah. done. From yeah, so is she, as in, are they are they just not uh, conceiving at all from it, or is it just? Um... Well, we've tried five five times since September. Okay. We wrote a couple of due to maybe in seasonal infertility, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I was going to say obviously seasonal fertility and the weather we've the weather we've had as well isn't ideal. Yeah. Um, um, Last week we tried again, and mm -hmm. I was quite happily nudging the boar to try and get him interested, and yeah, he just wasn't playing. Yeah, happy sleeping. So what I would he, say is, um, if you've got the ability to do so, is um, when you go for your next litter. I mean, I'm not saying it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be an Oxford Sandy and Black. If you have got other breeds that you keep on, just to, if he's purely teasable. Um, just pick pick a gill, uh, sorry, pick a boar out from your litter, grow him on, and just have him there as a teaser, yeah. just to refresh things. Well, we've got um, five-month-old meat wieners. Okay. Boar. Would they yeah. be just too young to? They're probably just a little bit too young. Yeah. Um, as I say, it's they they'll hit maturity, but because uh, they're not as because they're not sort of about eight months old they haven't got as strong a scent and a stronger interest as they would so we really need to think about another boar i would think about getting another boar to replace him being eight years old as well i would imagine he's probably like you say if he's quite lazy he's not interested and obviously the sow is still interested mm. um so i maybe think about bringing in a replacement okay right okay thank you is that okay <laughs> I sorry, someone else got a question before I ask mine. <laughs> so a lot of semen is stored in liquid nitrogen and, and sort of you know there for whatever purpose. Mm -hmm. Is the process for how's that semen rejuvenated for insemination when it's okay so it's frozen, frozen versus frozen semen is not very commonly used in the pig industry because it just doesn't the, the process of it of, of freezing it's quite difficult um so by the time you have dropped uh, the temperature to 17 degrees and then you're gradually doing this cooling process um where it can be put into straws and into liquid nitrogen um it's uh, you have to have uh, a higher volume and concentration uh, of semen in these straws because you will find your motility in sort of fresh uh, sort of fresh chilled semen you're probably going to say you won't probably really find anything below 80% motility when you get down to freezing it gets to about 60-50% because it just can't handle the chilling process very well so when it's rejuvenated um it's it's kind of it's a really strange way but it's done by uh by a, just a sort of a water bath 
to get it going again and just gradually bringing it up to temperature. Um, so it's not really a common thing in pigs at all that's used. The only time I've ever had to do that process was for when semen was sent abroad. Um, otherwise, I'd just stick with chilled use success rate. It'd be so much better. Um, and plus, frozen semen isn't designed um, for normal serving. That is for when you're going for deep insemination. Oh, that's interesting. Because, I mean, I believe, and I could be wrong here, on the in the cattle industry, these frozen straws are used quite frequently, aren't they? Cattle and cattle, yeah, used really commonly. Um, but, well, that might be cuts with the background noise, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um, but, yeah, just in pigs, uh, because it's because of its, I suppose I've said, because of pig semen design almost, um, it just has, it, it just can't deal with being frozen. And like I say, by the end of it, you'll find motility is, God, yeah, about 50, 60% when warmed up. And that is deliberately designed for people that will do deep insemination. Um, uh, it's, it's just not designed at all. Um, it's just not designed in general for pig usage. Um, and I think it's basically, that's just due to the proteins in the uh, the head of the sperm. That's what it boils down to. So one final question, and it's not a loaded question uh, <laughs> at all. Um, is there, So is there any value then in, in these straws storing, um, you know, older pig breeds, you know? There is, but there's, like I understand from protecting lines and older breeding lines completely as to why it's done um i would imagine that's i mean it's it's like you say it's more commonly used in cattle but there'll be uh, i know in sheep it's done as well for rare breeds um i see the value in that aspect of it but i think you have to be quite careful as to how you go about it because like i say it's deep insemination so it's a different serving technique altogether um so there's there's value in preserving lines um but the technique required is totally a lot different. more scientific it's not something yeah. that we would do as small scale producers you know it's not even something the commercial boys do you know uh -huh. i don't know any i don't know any of my units or um I've, well being at hgb and speaking to farmers i don't know anyone that does that um the only like you say the only people probably will use it are um your pedigree breeds but mm. probably more towards uh your stud lines more than anything else to keep mm. it going yeah um which is probably where you obviously you guys preserving your breeds is quite handy um because you're not having to rely on this frozen semen so yeah i i understand why but for pigs it just isn't it's it's yeah i wouldn't go there personally Okay, thank you, Lucia. Yeah, so as I say, it wasn't a loaded question. I was generally in, in <laughs> no, the, no, it's fine. In um, the science I behind it, that, I did wonder if frozen semen would appear at some point. So yeah, yeah. So that's it from me. Thank you very much. Yes. Anybody else got any more questions? Because I think we're where are we now? We are we're over by a couple of minutes. Yes. Yes. Oh, sorry. So no, it's fine. Oh, well, it's well, very interesting. Thank you. <laughs> Well, unless nobody else has got anything else to say, I think it's um, good night from all of us. Yeah, thank you for having me, everybody. Thank you, Lucia. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, um, I'm sure you all agree that was a very in interesting um, 
session um, around artificial insemination. Um, hope you found it beneficial. Um, that's it for this edition of the Oxford Sandy and Black Pig Group podcast. Um, as usual, we're always out for people to sign up, come and talk to us, do a podcast about an experience or um, anything like that. So if you are interested or want to take part, please please drop me an email, andrew at oxfordsandyandblackpiggroup.org. Um, well, that's it. Until next time, happy pig keeping.